Welcome back to another episode of Dance Med Spotlight, where we talk about all things dance medicine and dance science. Today, my guest is none other than Jennifer DiPiola, who is the owner and operator of Doctors for Dancers. Now, if you're not familiar with this organization, it's a great group that has a directory of dance medicine professionals that are all vetted to be on the directory, but also really active within the community in many different ways. We talk about things that we're commonly seeing coming up within the dance community with a variety of dancers. We talk about how dance specialists really are special for working with dancers and performers. Talk about Doctors for Dancers, their directory, and their upcoming event in July of 2024 called The Dance Mix that I am super excited about going to and so many other things. So be sure to check out this episode. We've got something for everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dance Med Spotlight, where we talk about all things dance medicine and dance science. I am excited to have today's guest on the episode with me, Jennifer DiPiola, uh, who is the owner and operator of Doctors for Dancers. Ripping with the shirt here as well. So welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to connect with you. Yes, I'm looking forward to our chat because we always have good ones, I feel like. Every time. <laughs> so first, my first question for everybody on the show is what is sort of what is your story? What got you to this point in doing what you're doing now? I think it, it starts with I, I didn't realize that my story resonated with others so much. I I really thought I was kind of alone in being injured and not finding the right help when I was younger. I, at a very young age, I had a back injury. I hurt my ankles a couple times, one on a trampoline park, rolling tricks, and another in character shoes actually on my recital. And back in the day, it was just something that was part of dance. Like people sprained their ankles and you had crutches and it was kind of cool to have crutches because then you're like, have like this warrior badge. Like, yeah, like I danced hard, right? Like if you weren't hurt, it was like, well, I don't know, right? It's just <laughs> something that we do um, in the community. And at the same time, we also don't talk about our injuries very much, I don't think. Um, you kind of do, but you kind of keep it to yourself because I felt like I was in pain every day. I was taking Advil, Tylenol. I had it in my bag. Who had it in their bag? And unfortunately... Many, many years went by of seeking and trying to get help that I needed to get back to dance. And unfortunately, I didn't find anybody. And for me, it really took a toll because I wasn't able to do the one thing that I've always wanted to do. I've always been dancing, probably in my mom's womb, right? Like I walked out dancing. It's just who I was, a part of me. And when I was going through the process and wanting to be a professional dancer, but then my back kept giving out and missing school and I'd be on the floor and it was until my 20s that I get an actual MRI and they were like, wow, you're really messed up. And I said, I knew it like all these years, you know, everybody was just like, oh, it's in your head. Stop dancing. This is crazy. So I didn't realize like that part of my story was really kind of where it led me to be today. And I was at a dance convention and somebody was there with a table and I just happened to go up to him like, what do you do? <laughs> They were like, I'm a dance medicine specialist. And I was like, what is that? 
And when I heard about it, I was like, this is amazing. Everybody should know about this because it, it went right back to like, I don't know, what, 10, 20 years ago when I was dancing and not being able to help myself, you know, with somebody that really understood my craft. So it actually just started with me wanting to shout it from the rooftops about dance, medicine, and science. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And that's how we just started finding out, like, who does this? Um, there's not very many people in the country, in the world that do it. Um, but it's starting to become bigger and bigger. And for me, once I found out about it, I just felt like everybody needed to know about it because they can actually get the help that they need. They can actually be told, hey, you're not being a baby. That was the biggest. I still remember her telling me this. And it's still when I tell the story, I still feel it in my gut. When I was on that PT table and I told her like, hey, my back's bothering me, but my leg, like usually I get it behind my my ear and I'm, I'm not being able to get it there. It's like only here because it hurts so much. And she was like, you're fine. Like, don't be a baby. And it really like put me down because she didn't understand just that umph, you know? Right. And, right. And so that's really kind of how it started is just my story of me not being able to get the help that I needed from a lot of different people. Um, we didn't just do one modality. It wasn't one doctor, one chiropractor, one naturopath. We saw so many people and nobody helped me really, truly. Um, and now I get to see the magic of what you and all the other dance specialists on DFD do. And um, it warms my heart because I know that there's help and there's hope for somebody else out there that's going through an injury that wants to get back to dance, that doesn't want to be told to stop dancing, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know? And, and you know, it, there might be a time where you are told, hey, you need a break. But I hope that we can respect that from somebody like you, Dr. Arms, that when you say, hey, you need to take a break, that you mean it. Like, oh, like, okay, my body needs, I need to take a break because I can actually injure it further. Right. You know, not that you think that they're a baby or that you don't respect their craft or you don't understand the athleticism. That's not it. You know, yes. all the dance specialists that we meet, they want to provide a modification so you can still be at the bar or still train, but maybe you might not be able to do X, Y, and Z. Like I would have given everything for a modification instead of to be told to sit down and watch class. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. I think you hit on a couple of really important points. I think one is so far I've noticed almost every single person that I've interviewed on here, their story has been some version of, I did not have someone and I wanted to be the person like to, to provide that for somebody else or, you know, to help make those connections for somebody else. And I think that it's unfortunate that so many of us had had those experiences, but it also makes me really hopeful that there are so many of us who now want to change that narrative and organizations like Doctors for Dancers who help make those connections so that future generations of dancers don't have the same story. Like if I'm still doing this in 20 years and interviewing some like 20 something year old who does who knows what, I hope their story is not the same of I didn't have the type of person that I needed to have. I hope so too. I really hope so. Because when I found out that dance medicine has been around for 30, 40 years, I was like, what? Like I felt chipped. I'm like, I didn't know about it. And so hopefully now in this day and age with how technology is, um, I mean, it still is like, well, who do you know? Well, who do you know? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. who do you go see? Um, but it's, I feel like the word is traveling quickly. 
Um, we have other countries that contact us all the time, which is really amazing that how, how did Singapore know about Doctors for Dancers or Australia? It's just wild. And they get referred from other countries because they all want this too. Um, I always say this over and over again, is like dance is the language of love for me, right? It doesn't matter what you speak. We all speak dance, right? Yes. And in that fact, like we all want to be taken care of. Um, we want that respect as the athleticism that we're doing. And we need to also remind dancers that they are athletes. Mm -hmm. We need to remind you that you're not just a dancer, as I'm doing air quotes. Like, you're not just anything. You right. know, you are an athlete and you deserve to be treated as such. And so I hope that we change that narrative that there are resources available for you. There are people out there that care about you. There are people that study the science behind what you do. Like there is research all over the place about dance. And so if we can start implementing that into our studios and our conventions and our competitions, I hope that we are changing the narrative of, you know, when I got hurt, I was able to see somebody like Dr. Arms and I was able to just be there and, and go through my injury knowing that I had somebody there along this, along the ride, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I hear that time and time again um, from our dance specialists on Doctors for Dancers of how much they truly affected people's lives by being able to take care of them. And so it's really beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Before we get too much further into our conversation, I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about what Doctors for Dancers is, if someone hasn't heard of it before, um, and maybe also talk about some of the different things um, that you do to support the community because you do a lot more than just one thing. That's for sure. <laughs> Isn't it though? You're like, what are you doing? We do a little bit of everything, wherever the journey takes us of along the ride of where dancers are. It's, it's been yes. kind of fun. Um, but the, it started off as being an online directory where you can go online, put in your zip code, or maybe if you're looking specifically for a physical therapist or a chiropractor, you can search that way as well. But if you put in your zip code and you press search, then our amazing dance specialists show up. Uh, who is in your area? And we don't have, the, the name is Doctors for Dancers. It's a great name, but we also have a variety of different modalities. So we also have dietitians and chiropractors and naturopaths and people that do all kinds of wonderful things. So you're able to look for a massage therapist, um, and those will show up in your area and you can see their profile and kind of see who's in the area. It also lists like their social media. So you can kind of check them out. Like Dr. Arms is a great social media, lots of dance tips. So go and check them out. Um, and they're just so helpful. So if you're injured or not injured, a lot of people are, I had, I have a lot of people that ask, can I still go see a physical therapist even though I'm not injured? And the answer is absolutely yes. You don't need to utilize our resource if you're not injured. You can use that to help level up. Like, can you actually explain something for the viewers about how you are actually able to take care of them from your point of view, from a PT, if you're not injured? Like, how, how could you help them? Yeah. So there's so much. The beauty of what we do as physical therapists is we really can address from like beginning to end of life, beginning to end of wherever we are in sort of like our wellness cycle of things. So whether it is prevention that we do ahead of time, being able to work with a dancer and see 
oh yeah, you have a lot more flexibility on this side or strength on this side, or you have more trouble with your ankle when you're on point on your right foot, whatever it is. One of my dancers right now, she came in to me for knee pain and we started unraveling all sorts of things. And we went down the path of maybe your point shoes aren't the right point shoes for you. Let's get you to a different fitter than who you've been using so far. Went and got fit, found better shoes, got a lot of the same things observed by that fitter that I had been talking about. And guess what? Her pain is going away that she was having. So, you know, things like that, going through the regular rehab process, and then also the wellness side where, you know, maybe we didn't have the opportunity in prevention mode before something happened, but we get them back from their injury. We help them to that next level. And so it's improving their performance. Um, I have a dancer that I actually did a little mini research study with earlier this year, and we did a 12-week progressive exercise program, and she wasn't having any pain, but just to see what it did. And she had the best scores in competitions and best placements that she'd had since she'd been competing. She got a lot more uh, comments from her dance teachers as far as how her technique was improving and better control, higher leaps, better splits, you know, all of these things. And that whole program that I built for her was based off of what we know from dance medicine and dance science research. So it's cool to be able to go back to those things and use it and see dancers through that entire range of whatever they need. That's, see, for me, that's just mind-blowing. And it was personalized for her based upon her body, her goals, her needs, and you're a physical therapist. <clears throat> I think sometimes people get those confused with a personal trainer and a physical therapist, which both can do the same thing, but from a physical therapist, how is your lens different than a personal trainer when you mm. are looking at something like this? Yeah. So we get a lot more of the medical side of things for sure. So, you know, even I teach in a PT program, one of the courses I help teach is medical conditions. It's an entire year of a course where we learn differential diagnosis. Is this truly back pain or is it a kidney problem? Am I maybe identifying something like hypermobility in a dancer? Am I, you know, and, and being able to screen through all of the medical piece to make sure that it's safe and appropriate for us to work with them or refer them to the appropriate person and know how to refer and all of that. Um, and then a lot of it too is in that rehab process, sometimes the people that we're working with are in a very different place than those who might seek out somebody like a personal trainer. When, you know, with that, maybe they're working on building strength. They want to change their physique. They want to, you know, they have very specific goals like that. Sometimes we're starting with somebody who had, in some cases, even a devastating injury and we are truly starting from square one. Like, how do we even get out of bed? And we can help progress them to wherever they want and need to be as far as function, um, you know, to the best of our ability, to the best that their situation allows. But we're able to take them through that entire journey through it, too. That's so important. I feel like I've heard a lot of stories, especially out in the L.A. area, because Heels is super popular. Um, of dancers not being able to get out of bed in the morning. Um, they get there They get there to, to dance later, but mm -hmm. that would be a great opportunity to see a physical therapist as opposed to a personal trainer. Like, yes, you're still strengthening and doing cross-training and getting them there, but you're coming from the medical point of view of 
hey, you have an injury, let's do this safely. Um, yes. Even like the hypermobility, you know, portion that you mentioned, I think is super huge. Um, there are a lot of dancers that are hypermobile, or I feel like there's a lot of um, classes that are having dancers be hypermobile, if it makes sense. Like the stretch is like crazy that is happening. Um, when I grew up, I had a couple of people, I'm going to age myself here, but we used to call them Gumbies, <laughs> right? Like those were the mm -hmm. Gumbies and there was only a few, but we didn't know that that's how they were built. Right. I didn't know that those were my best friends. Like that's how their body was. I literally was jealous <laughs> that mm -hmm. they were so flexible. And I really tried to always get them. Like, why does my body not work like that? Yes. Um, but to then, it's so interesting now that we're learning all these things. I actually danced with somebody from that I've known for over 20 years. We actually did a warm-up class together. I was back in there. And I was watching her and I'm, I looked at her, I go, are you hypermobile? And she goes, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, that's what you've been doing your whole life. And so she explains that she was not having the proper strength and she now has knee pain. Many, many, she says it really, she actually hindered herself for very many moons and she never talked about it. Mm -hmm. And so here we are 20 years later finding out one of my girlfriends that I dance with has hypermobility, not she was just super flexible and, you know, like nobody else could get that. So I, I just think yeah. it's just so interesting how it all intertwines and how important it is to know the hypermobility function portion of it. Um, that component is just really kind of blowing up, I feel like, in the dance medicine industry. Yeah. Linda Bluestein, of course, one of the best of the best is on Doctors for Dancers. She's on the advisory board. And she has really brought to light of the hypermobility and the functionality of what's happening in our dance community and how we can help. Um, so I love it that you brought that in there. It's just, I think that's something that we don't talk about enough, but it's, it's out there. Yes. I think it's one of those things too, where, you know, like you were talking about growing up dancing and having some of those kids in class who were super flexible and thinking like, oh, they just, you know, th this is just a cool trick that they can do or, making assumptions of the, that is normal and I am not normal because I can't move like that or different that. things Absolutely. like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and things where it was like, you know, I remember being so like angry with my own body sometimes of why does it function this way? Where if there was just a little bit of education provided, like I wish there were people who were dance medicine specialists and could come in and do seminars at the dance studios back then where I could have learned everybody is different and maybe this is what we're seeing. And, you know, instead of just being mad at my own body of why aren't you more flexible? Well, it turns out my body was built for more power and that's just the way it is. And that's what I could have focused on more in my training rather than trying to become the bendy person that I was not meant to be. <laughs> it I think that resonates probably with a lot of us, you know, of understanding our strengths and knowing that that was how our body is built. Um, mm -hmm. I think that in itself really helped me go, oh, okay. Like it's a, we're all different. Um, we all have different things. And I think even on our own team, we competed against each other, right? Even though they're our best friends and we dance with them every day, we, it's always an inner competition of trying to beat your own teammates, mm -hmm. um, which was fun. But um, 
it was, it really was painful when you're going through injuries and having to miss dance and sit in the corner or I loved it. They were like, here's some pills. I mean, they were giving me hydrocodone Vicodin, you know, when I was 14 years old and I was like, I can't dance on these. So then unfortunately I started popping Advil and Tylenol and I leave, um, which is so bad for you. And I thought, well, it's over the counter, you know, it's here, you know, and now there's Costco size, you know, bottles everywhere and people are just kind of popping them out like candy. And I'm like, oh, this is so bad, like that that in itself, but you think it's okay. Um, yeah. And I think even still today, I see it quite often of just giving out Advil or leave and just thinking that's going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that too? Yes, definitely. I think, you know, whether it's doing things like that or so many dancers, they'll tell me, oh yeah, I just have, you know, Tiger Balm or Ben Gay in my bag and just rub some of that on, foam roll for a while, like it's fine. Um, And the things that have become very popular as the forms of self-management rather than going and seeking somebody out to help um, is still all too common. And I think, you know, I think part of that too is born from, at least from my experience growing up as a dancer, I think because there have been times where like, you know, I got hurt as a 14-year-old dancing, subluxed or dislocated my kneecap, uh, tore through some stuff in my knee. You know, I was, I fell on stage and did all of that and went to go see my regular primary care doctor and he didn't understand dance. And he says, take a leave, do some squats, you should be fine. And I was out of dance for three or four months and not sure if I was going to make it back. And so, you know, experiences like that where it's either you'll be fine, don't worry about it, or just stop dancing and your pain will go away as the solution, I think has made dancers distrustful of medical providers or healthcare providers. And so it kind of became this vicious cycle of, well, they're not going to help me anyways, so I'm not going to go see them in the first place. And so now we're in this situation of take all the leave and do some foam rolling and you should be good um, because they don't know as much as we want them to know at this point that people like myself or resources like Doctors for Dancers exists to get them to the people who get it and can help them. You nailed it, truly. We were in LA at Day of Dancer Health, and there was a whole group of professional dancers that were coming through. And so I talked to them about if they've ever been here, if they've ever seen anything like this. And everybody was like, no, I've never heard of dance medicine. Like, oh, this is so cool that all these people have come together to provide these things for us. And I said, you know, what do you usually do when you're injured? And they said, I'm not going to go ahead and spend hundreds of dollars for somebody to go tell me to stop dancing. And it's so true. Like people do not trust the health and wellness industry because of the experience that we have and still continue to have. Um, I still in my family hear the stories that are happening when they say that they're a dancer and the things that they don't check or tell them that they're fine. Um, You're young, you're fit, you're good. And they don't even look into it. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I totally wholeheartedly agree. And that's why the members on Doctors for Dancers, when they come on, we interview them. <laughs> we talk to them to make sure that they understand this world. I've been in this world for a very long time. And I will tell you, my mom still does not understand this world. She's heard me. She's talked. She's been in my competition. She's been, she's done it all. But unless you're like really in it, in it, 
like you don't understand the competition and the, and the auditions and all the things that we do on training wise. It's just when we when we interview people on Doctors for Dancers, they want to be able to take care of the community. A lot of them have stories just like you and I where we were injured and they want to help or some don't. Like they just really see the need for dance medicine for dancers to be able to be taken care of. And so we yeah. put these things because we do want to be that trusted resource for dancers. Um, we don't want you to just sign up with a Google form. We want you to know that the people on here have actually been vetted. Um, we talk yes. to them and really make sure that they understand the dance community um, so that everybody can now go see someone like yourself and be like, I got the help that I needed. And I tell everybody that wants to join, like, if you're on Doctors for Dancers, then we know that any dancers are going to come and be with you and be like, these are my people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I know taking care of, like, when you see that DFD shirt, that logo, you're going to know that somebody like Dr. Alyssa Arms cares about you and wants to take care of the dance community because that's what Doctors for Dancers is. We are a beautiful community of dance specialists that want to help take care of the community so that you can get the care that you need. I mean, that's probably the bottom line. Sum it up is that's who, that's who the people are and they're very caring and they're amazing. I'm super biased, but we have some amazing, amazing dance specialists that have yes. amazing credentials that, you know, really are studying the research and trying to be out there. Like how you mentioned earlier about the point shoes. I have Dr. Jessica Randolph, who's amazing. She's based out in Scottsdale, Arizona. She does three different types of x-rays. So does she, she puts you in your point shoes, mm. and all the way up so she can actually see. And she goes, usually when they go up on point, that's when I can see that little stress fracture that wasn't showing up before. And for me, that's just that one extra mile because she was a ballerina herself. So she understands those things. And that's what's going to matter is that when somebody finds a specialist on Doctors for Dancers, they're going to see somebody like Jessica Randolph, who is looking that extra mile so you can get the help that you need so you can get right back out there and do what you love. Yes. And one of the things that I really appreciate about Doctors for Dancers and the directory that you have is exactly what you're talking about of, you know, it it is a vetted list out of any of the places where I know there are lists of people within this space. It's the only one that I know of where you actually talk to them. You require that we submit proof of licensure and insurance. And like I do dry needling, I sent certificates saying, yes, I did in fact take these classes for dry needling for something that is an invasive procedure that I can do. Um, and so, you know, yeah, you have checked people out and you stay on top of it and make sure they are staying in good standing in all senses in order to stay on the list. It's not just some random person who was like, well, for marketing purposes, I might as well get myself on another list somewhere. These are people who genuinely know what they're doing. Thank you. It, it's important because we, we do have people that want to join just to, I mean, they go, oh, I've worked on some dancers. But when you start really talking to them, they really don't understand the community and those people mm -hmm. just don't make the list. I will say, though, that probably 95% of the people on DFD have danced before. The other 5%, there are some amazing people that have never danced before, but they put their heart and soul in studying dance medicine. Um, they get it. Um, so you will you will find that. So it doesn't, doesn't mean that you are not a dancer. You can't be on here. But you do have to understand our world because our community, as large as it is, 
all around the world, right? We have other countries that are messaging us. We have to make sure that we take care of our community. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure even after we talk or we talk to somebody else, we all know somebody who knows somebody, you know? And so it's important for us to be able to take care of our community in a way that they can hopefully trust, you know, start to break down that wall a little bit and start trusting the health and wellness. And I think that by doing the interviews, knowing that the people on DFD are there for this purpose, and then asking for people's credentials and their licensure, I'm hoping that people can, we can start to build that trust up again in our community. Not, I, did I say again? We never had it. <laughs> we never had that trust. So this is, um, we're at new fields right now. I feel like we've been we did this. Uh, we're pre-COVID babies. We started 2019, but I feel like we're still, we're just starting still. There's a lot of people out there that have never heard of dance medicine, dance specialists at all, doctors for mm -hmm. dancers. And so we're at the very beginning stages of really getting out there and saying, hey, dancers are athlete. Dancers matter. Um, we yes. need to start putting some of these programs in place that dance medicine has doing research on for years and years and years. So I have actually a question for you. I mean, I'm, there's so many things that we can add, but with things that you've learned with the research and where you are as an educator, which you are amazing at, by the way, is what is one thing that you would like to see a dance studio implement into their education Ooh. for the season? Ooh, that's a big question. That's a big question. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the biggest things, and I mean, this this is like pie in the sky hope at this point, I feel like, but I feel like we need to turn dance studios on their head with how we approach things. So like thinking of a presentation that was at, I think it was at IADAMS two years ago um, when it was the virtual session, there was somebody who was saying, are we doing ballet class backwards? And thinking of like, how are we warming our bodies up? Are we actually warming up before we're doing things? Like, just thinking of the order of stuff. Like, I actually just recently had a discussion with a dance instructor who is a fantastic dancer and teacher and all of that. Um, it was this whole conversation about the importance of warming up. And then we started class and we did some of our head isolations and a couple stretches and then, all right, are we warm? Can we get started for something where we were going to be doing a lot with our bodies? And it's like, wait a second, we just had this conversation about the importance of warm up, but we're not seeing it implemented in the classroom or things where I've had this conversation too recently. There are ways that we can implement certain concepts of strength and conditioning from the athlete world, sports medicine world, into what is already happening in class without taking a bunch of time away from class. And I think sometimes that's where some resistance can come in where it's like, we already don't have enough time to do everything that we want to do and you want to add more, but it's like, but what if we just approach it in a little different way? If we work together, maybe we can reformat some of these things so that class can be more efficient to get all those things in and really address what we know our bodies need or even cool down. Um, I had a conversation with uh, Dr. Jatin Ambagankar, who is the uh, editor-in-chief for the Journal of Dance Medicine and Science. And he said that that's one of the biggest things that they're seeing in research lately is the importance of cool down and how that impacts performance the next day. 
but that's not something that we're seeing in the dance studio. And so actually learning how to implement what we're seeing in research into the classroom, I think is what I would love to see. I love all the above. <clears throat> the, the importance of warming up is just so near and dear to my heart. Um, I I was very lucky. I was always given a warm up. You always knew it was there and it was very in depth. Um, now knowing what I know, like I actually got a very well rounded warm up beforehand. I don't see that today. Um, mm -hmm. I you're lucky if you get a warm up. I feel, <clears throat> um, or the teachers like here's a song or two, but everybody's kind of sitting in second position, doing a couple of stretches and lunges, doing the head rolls, and like that's kind of it. Um, we are going to be having an event called the Dance Mix in July of 2024. So I'm super excited. It's going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it's going to be all things warm up. And I think it also goes back to is because we we kind of see the warm up die down. I don't ever see a cool down again. That's like a rarity. Mm -hmm. um, Brian Feedman he does a warm up and then like a, a nice short cool down. But I don't remember the last time I've seen a cool down come in. And the importance of not just what that does to your body, but I feel like mentally, because it just circles back to what you just said. Like we don't have any time and all the schedules are jam packed. Um, so it's just go, 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 go. And we saw a lot of just anxiety and panic attacks. We were on tour with a couple of dance conventions as you personally mm -hmm. helped us out with one of them and sensory overload. And we're not seeing it just at convention and competition. You're just seeing this on your regular day to day. Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, how many ever dance, you know, days that you dance now. And I think just that cool down, you're able to breathe and just take a moment to just hear your own heartbeat, your own thoughts, and just sit in silence for just a minute before you have to run to the next class. Yes. Um, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I would love to bring the warm up back and I'd love to bring the cool down back um, and kind of just circle back at this event the warm-up will be one of the stars of the show. And so because sometimes it has kind of dwindled down, I don't think that we know how to warm up anymore. What is right or what are we supposed to do? So we will have an opportunity for teachers and studio owners to come and learn from dance specialists like yourself on the proper way to warm up your class, the whys, the form, how long you should do a warm up for it. People think mm -hmm. it needs to be 30 to 45 minutes. I mean, you could do one song, two song, three song. Mm -hmm. For me, it's better than no song. <laughs> it's better than no guidance. Um, so to, to have that opportunity, but something that's really gonna blow people's minds is ahead of time, we will have our choreographers at the event submit their choreography ahead of time to a team of our dance specialists. They will be reviewing the choreography to see if there's any transitions that might cause an injury. As we know, sometimes it's kind of crazy, or maybe there's a movement, especially in contemporary, you see it now that we're dancing in bare feet all the time, mm -hmm. or there's some movements that probably shouldn't even be implemented on the foot because it's going to be causing injury that we don't realize that those little tootsies that we have, there are moves that should not be done because they are going to cause an injury. Yes. So I think it's super going to be really fun to be able to analyze that choreography work with the choreographer, we will then be providing a personalized warm-up to the classes with the choreography that was based upon it. So I'm really excited about that because the dancers can be ready and warm and it's personalized for them. And then we get to learn the why. Like, why am I warming up? What does that do for my body? Should I be warming up differently 
or salsa compared to contemporary or ballet or hip hop. And so I think it's really interesting what you said, like, let's look at the movement. Let's look at what people are doing. And then we're going to implement those things. And then it's going to be for them. They're going to take this knowledge and know it for the rest of their lives. It's not a monkey see, monkey do. And just doing the same warm up that we always see, they're now going to learn the why I need to warm up in these specific type of movement so that when they're at an audition or they're waiting for the teacher to show up, they now know how to warm up on their own instead of sitting in second or a lunge. Like, Mm -hmm. let's get our bodies ready so we can start to actually reduce the injuries. The number one phone call that we received from dancers out of LA is they were hurt. They're now out of a job for six to nine months because they have to have surgery. And every single call has been, I wasn't warm. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. so important. So warm up, cool down. It is. Well, and you know, I think something that you said there is a really important one of also recognizing that different dance styles may require a different kind of warm up. So, for example, um, like I do West Coast Swing and compete in West Coast Swing. And there have been times where just with the way the event is going or that sort of thing, there isn't time to do any warm-up dances. We're busy lining up and waiting to go on. And so we don't have a chance to dance anymore. Or maybe we did warm up and now we're cooling down, but we don't have a chance to kind of restart all of that. And a lot of what we do, there are things where there are dips and lunges and tons of turns and all kinds of things where it's really important to have certain muscles ready for certain kinds of movements. For ballet, it's a lot more foot and ankle, but also hip and that sort of thing, different kinds of movements. So if I were going to a ballet class, I would not use my warm up from West Coast Swing because a lot of it, like none of it's going to be a bad thing to do, but why not optimize what you're doing for the style that you're walking into? Absolutely. Train in that so that you can be the best that you can be with what you're doing. Like even in ballet for gentlemen, that might look different for them because they have to do lifts, right? Like they're going to have to go ahead and do that. You hear a lot about gentlemen getting torn in their shoulders because of the lifts. Do you hear that a lot too in the ballroom as well? I mean, there's crazy lifts going Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. And so it's, you know, and that's where, again, having people who are familiar with various dance styles as the provider is really important because, you know, I, knowing West Coast Swing a dancer can come in, they can tell me about a specific movement that hurts. I know what movement they're talking about and can help figure out, well, how can we rehab this and make it so it doesn't hurt and make sure your muscles are working the best they can so that it's easier for you to do this and you're not at as high of a risk with this specific thing. Or ballet with the extreme flexibility that we need to be able to see in that and the craziness of point shoes and dancing in those, knowing how to get somebody there. I think one of the most interesting things that I always like bringing up when I'm talking about point and ballet specifically is in the research, I think the average, what was it? They looked at a group of professional female ballet dancers and the average plantar flexion, so how much their ankle can point down was like 114 degrees. When you look in any medical textbook, what is considered normal is like 45 degrees, 50 degrees. 
And so if somebody doesn't have that understanding of what kind of motion is required and how to safely help someone achieve that and not just use the dang stretch straps and foot stretchers that exist, um, you need to have somebody who knows how to safely achieve that because it is way beyond what is the normal for our bodies. You really truly need a specialization. You need somebody that specializes in what you do. I think too often we don't trust the health and wellness, but at the same time we're like, oh, like what's what's in the insurance directory? Or like, who do you know? Like, oh, they worked on you before. Cool. But like, what's their background? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think it's super important. Um, are they studying the research? Are they studying dance medicine? Um, because it does matter on what you just said. Like, do they know those types of things? Um, so yeah, I think um, if you are hurt or not hurt or you're getting, especially like nutcracker season's coming up and maybe you have a part, right? This is a great time to go to doctors for dancers and find a dance specialist in your area. And we have a lot of people that specialize in ballerinas. So finding that right fit for you to get ready for your training. <clears throat> Again, you might not be injured now, but you're about to go through a lot of training and a lot of schedules mm -hmm. and rehearsals that can all that over usage, right? Like you're, you're going to maybe see some of those injuries. So try yeah. to see a dance specialist ahead of time, whether that's a personal trainer, right? A physical therapist, an athletic trainer, a podiatrist, mm -hmm. um, amazing technique that you can utilize to even just excel like Jennifer Milner with Pilates. Like that's a huge one. Like she understands the, the different sets, even the choreography, like she knows it. Um, like that would be a great person for you to see when you're getting ready for nutcracker season to make sure that you can get through it safely. Like you said earlier, like, yes, you can get somebody to do it, but are we going to get you there safely? I unfortunately saw a lot of personal trainers growing up because I wanted to strengthen my back and I didn't realize that they were actually giving me wrong cues and information because mm -hmm. I shouldn't have been doing some of those things for my back. I shouldn't have been mm -hmm. jumping and doing and just hitting it hard because that's just what they're used to with their protocol. But I think, yeah. you know, it just, it matters. I know I've said that before, mm -hmm. but it really, it really does make a difference. It does. Most definitely. Yeah. And I think... I, you keep saying things that are like, ooh, that's that's like such a great little nugget to go back to. Um, thinking of like nutcracker season coming up, I think sometimes as dancers, we know there's a seasonality to what we do, especially if it's, you know, whether it's competitive dancers, adolescents, where there's fall show season and recital season and competition season, or our professional dancers, again, going to an example of ballet, maybe they have their season of sort of August through May is when they're doing a lot of their productions, but summer is more of a downtime for them. So like we know there's a seasonality to it, but what's interesting is we do nothing to change our training season to season. And so whether we are ramping up for shows, performances, competitions that are coming up, returning from some time away during summer break, if we actually got a little bit of downtime during that time, um, transitioning into a new dance style. Maybe we need to do some other stuff to help ramp up into that and not just hit full force in something our bodies have not done before. Even though it's still dance, it's requiring something a little bit different. 
And so I think there are a lot of opportunities there working again with some sort of dance medicine professional to help navigate through some of those things so that hopefully we reduce the likelihood of injury or time away due to injury or maybe prevent an injury in the first place because we've allowed our bodies to adapt along the way instead of just throwing it in and hoping for the best. So much of that can really help the industry of reaching out to a specialist like yourself that can create a program for a studio. Um, Studio owners, reach out to the dance specialists. Reach out to them and utilize their knowledge of getting ready for this season. Don't have another season where you're going, I need to restage. Oh, they're out. Oh, they're injured. Like, don't have that week before where everybody's on ice and nobody knows what to do and that person's now out because that one's in a boot and a surgery. Like, We don't need to actually have that. I think it's normal, again, to like go through the craziness of the restaging. And it's like, it doesn't need to be that way. You know, reach out ahead of time and get a plan together for your studio because we need to train differently from a medical aspect and the science aspect so we can reduce these injuries that we're seeing, reduce the time of restaging. Restaging is not fun. Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. likes it. Not nobody. Nobody, the dancers, the teachers, the parents, nobody likes it. And everybody's on pins and needles throughout the whole thing. It's not a fun thing to like have your whole body go through with that stress of having to restage. Um, And teachers, please don't restage numbers right before they're going to go on to competition. Like that day, that hour, like don't like, let's just keep it here Mm -hmm. Um, a lot. And we don't, again, we don't need to have it that way. Let's put the plans together. Let's implement the cross training, the strength training, the programs. Um, they can all be helped, especially in point. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that we don't have your 12 years old at your birthday. You're now on point. Like, let's not celebrate because they're 12. Let's actually have them go to a dance medicine specialist and see if their bodies are even ready for point. Yes. Point is no joke. The amount of strength and everything that you need to do that is important and can actually cause you so much more harm and pain Mm -hmm. that, again, is not necessary if we say, okay, if we are going to go to this level of training, we're going to make sure that our bodies are right. Just like at the beginning of the year, we do a physical. Don't go to urgent care. Don't go to your doctor. Go see a dance medicine specialist at the beginning of the year and go get, go, go, what am I trying to say? (laughs) Yeah, get get checked go get, out. Yeah, go, yeah. Get, go get it checked out. Go get an assessment done from a dance medicine specialist at the beginning of the year, and they can help you. Maybe your mm-hmm. ankle's bothering you. Maybe your knee's bothering you. Maybe nothing's bothering you. And we can and, help keep it that right? way. Right? You can help it keep it that way, or you can help them get ready. Like you said, maybe you're doing a new genre, but especially if you're going on point, mm-hmm. seek out a dance medicine specialist ASAP and get an assessment done before you start point so that you can reduce those injuries that we see. Yeah. I'm thankful. You know, I've had the opportunity over the years and being involved in the community in different ways of speaking at different conferences and presenting for dance teachers, presenting in studios. And there's one studio in particular here who now has basically implemented not only exercises that I've brought up in conferences. Um, Some of their dancers come to me and I'm like, all right, let's try this thing. And they're like, oh yeah, they make me do this in class. Like this is a regular part of class. Fantastic. But they've also, for any of their pre-point dancers, they have to come see me and get cleared 
before they're allowed, even into their pre-point class where they are just learning how to tie their shoes and sew them and like not doing anything crazy. But that is one of the things that the studio owner now requires. And, you know, of course, from a business standpoint, I would love more of that. But from a non-business standpoint, just from dance life in general, like I think looking back, I'm probably now because of things that I do with my dancers in better shape to start point in the way that my body functions than I ever was when I was actually doing point back in the day. Like looking back, I don't know that I would have put myself on point. I don't know I would have passed my own tests to do it. And so, you know, yeah, I would love for more dancers to be able to have that um, and not get themselves into a pickle because their bodies weren't ready for something that we just kind of take for granted and assume is going to happen once you reach a certain age or certain level in dance. Yeah. It's hard when you're told like, oh, especially when you're with all your friends, like, oh, you're not ready for point. Like, oh no, I'm ready. Like you want to go on because your friends are on. Mm -hmm. And it's like a whole like celebratory thing. It's, it's a big deal to like go on point. Um, we have a whole ceremony behind it. But at what cost? That's mm -hmm. what it really comes down to. And um, it's so interesting that you found a studio that has that even through the pre-point. So what do you do for that studio for like the pre-point from a medical standpoint? Why is it important for you to come in before they even go to point to be cleared? Like, what's the big deal? Because I'm mm -hmm. sure that's what, like, really, is it that big of a deal? Like, and they're just right. point shoes. But what do you, what do you tell people? Like, why is it necessary for you to come in to do something like that? Yeah. So, you know, it varies a lot from practitioner to practitioner of what they look at. What I personally look at in those one-on-ones, it's a like 45 minute to an hour long appointment. They come in, we talk about their dance training, their dance history, history of injuries, medical history, all of those things. And then I start taking them through all kinds of tests. I do not only checking flexibility and range of motion in their foot and ankle, but we measure basically up to like the waist. I take actual measurements with my goniometer, my little measuring device, so that we can see differences side to side. We measure a variety of muscles that are important, including abdominals and all the way up to the hip muscles. It's not just around the foot and ankle. I also take them through movements. So things like the airplane test that we see in research that has been correlated with point readiness um, and have them do a lot of dynamic movements that are both dance-based and not dance-based, but what we know from athletic research too, sports medicine. Um, and I take all of that information to kind of see, are there certain patterns that I'm noticing and how they move and things that we can change with strength or control training or who knows what and help give them an idea of, yes, we might not quite be at the mark, but this is something I think will just change as you continue to work on point and, and learn some of it. Maybe it's, ooh, we're finding a lot of stuff that really puts you at a lot of risk in general for injury, not just on point and something to consider or anybody in between. And so, and one of the things that I do too is every single dancer that comes in, they walk away with at least a couple exercises based off of what we found. No matter the result of whether or not they pass the test, they still walk away with an exercise program. 
I love that. <clears throat> so with the pre-point assessment and you go through that, what are some things where you're like, they're actually not ready for point yet? Do you have that come across where you're like, maybe just not yet, like maybe in a couple months, we're going to work on the strength training. Like, what does that look like when someone's not ready? Mm -hmm. I'd say a lot of times it's either things like lacking some of that control and or body awareness where, you know, like one of the tests is even doing a single leg squat essentially on a step and seeing how well they can control. And if they are wobbling all over the place and they're even holding on for balance, but they just, they can't get their body to cooperate. It's like, okay, we can't even do a squat right now. We have no business being in point shoes. Um, and, and just adding a whole nother level of complexity into the mix. Another one that I sometimes see is if they just have a lot of, um, lack of flexibility or mobility in foot and ankle where they're going to be trying to push their body beyond what it's currently capable of. Like they, they basically would have no choice but to push through that to try to do some of the movements required. So thinking like the big toe flexibility, ideally we'd like to see them get to 80, 90 degrees of going back that direction. If they don't have that, you have to press through that to get through demi point to get onto the box and onto the platform. So if they're constantly trying to just like shove their body weight over something that doesn't want to go, something's going to happen eventually and let them know that there's a problem there. So I'd say those are probably kind of the two big things that I see as common patterns. Those are some really good like, oh, I can't do that. Maybe I'm not ready yet. Mm -hmm. if, let's say that somebody's not ready yet, but they decide to go on point anyway. What kind of injuries can actually stem from those things if they're not ready? The list could be extensive. So the obvious ones are things like foot and ankle injuries, uh, whether it's you sprain or strain something because you couldn't maybe control balance on the box, on the platform. Maybe it's um, like we see a lot of tendonitis around the foot and ankle and toes, like even flexor halus of longus tendonitis under the big toe, because we're pushing oddly and not from the right place and don't have strength and control in other places. Um, all the way up to hip injuries, labral tears, back pain. Um, I even had a dancer who she, what was it? I can't even remember what started the whole reason she came to me in the first place, but we ended up working on virtually every body part because she had so much lack of strength and whatnot throughout her body that when she went on crutches, she then started having shoulder pain and elbow pain and wrist pain that we then had a rehab as well as whatever lower body thing it was that she came to me in the first place for. And so, yeah, I mean, it can, it can snowball into something else really quickly, unfortunately, um, if our bodies just aren't well prepared for whatever it is we're going to do, whether that's point or something else. It's really important what you're doing. <clears throat> you know, that's, again, just trying to reduce those injuries that can come through with all the wild things that we do in dance. You know, it's like mm -hmm. you said earlier, it's not normal what we do. It's just not. It's just part of our 
our athleticism of our artistry, you know, that we have, it's just what it is that we do. So, um, thank you so much for having all the knowledge behind this to, I mean, when you think about it, you just think, Oh, point. But then when you hear you talk, you're like, Oh, wow. I need to know all those things from a medical point of view so that we can keep these kiddos on point, right? Not have mm -hmm. to come back down because now you're injured. Like you don't have to dance in pain if you can have the right plan or treatment, you know, set up ahead of time so that you can be set up for success. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is really just setting everybody up for success to have a wonderful season, to have a mm -hmm. wonderful year without having to have all this restaging and doctor's appointments and boots. And, you know, let's try to wind it back and get dance medicine into the studios and get people mm -hmm. like yourself in there so that we can start doing these evaluations on a much deeper level than if you were just to go to your doctor or to urgent care. You're looking at the specialization behind it. So thank mm -hmm. you so much for, for letting us know all that. I think it's just so important. Yeah. And I think going back to something that you mentioned earlier too, that is a way that the community doesn't often think of us being able to have an impact with is even thinking choreography. So like you were talking about for the dance mix and having someone kind of go through and, and provide some feedback on the choreography that's being brought in, whether it's something like that where proactively looking at choreography before putting it on the dancers in the first place, or say we do have a dancer who is injured, they're recovering, but they're not quite ready to do all the things that were originally in the choreography. Being able to bring somebody like myself in, or I had this conversation with Dr. Kathleen Davenport, who works with Miami City Ballet, among other people, um, bringing somebody in, into the studio and work through together, re-choreographing something of, okay, well, they can't do that kind of leap or that kind of landing or that whatever, but what if we do this? And then as the medical professional can be sitting there and going, you know, that still puts a lot of stress on the thing we're being careful of. What other options do we have? And being able to collaborate in that way, even in the choreography, to make sure that our dancer doesn't add on to their list of injuries or get hurt in the first place. That is like the best thing, that you can actually work with somebody who gets that and be like, okay, actually, we, we can't have her in that section. Maybe maybe it's not even just taking somebody out of the section. Mm -hmm. Or what other things can you put in to modify it? Like what movement would you like to have instead of this? Because that movement is going to cause harm. And I think a lot of choreographers are very open to that instead of saying, no, no, this is the way it is. Well, yeah, that's the way it is. But now your dancer is going to be injured and now she's going to be out anyway. And now you're going to have to restage. So do we want to change a movement or do we want to change the whole dance of restaging? Because that takes hours. Mm -hmm. um, that change of the movement, how long does that really take? A minute to maybe come up with a different movement. So just being able to understand that it's not that anybody wants to say, take this out of your choreography. It's really just to help the health and wellness of the industry that we just don't know about. I didn't know that you couldn't do like a toe turn on this specific part of that because it's going to cause bunions and actually hurt yourself. So we were watching, we were, we were doing like free services for this dance team and our physical therapist was the one that caught the choreography who said, Hey, that actually shouldn't be done. And I afterwards 
the dancer had come up and said, hi, can I talk to you? My foot hurts. And it was because of that movement. So, I mean, it's there. Um, mm -hmm. So I highly recommend working with a dance specialist to review your choreography, especially if you're just at a high performance level studio and you are just always just constantly going, like bring somebody in so that you can have a great season, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, I am so excited to have been able to have a wonderful discussion, as I knew it would be, um, with you today, talking about all sorts of different things dance-related and talking about Doctors for Dancers. So what I want to do is a special segment that we have on the show. We have the final bow. This is essentially the take-home message from our episode. We talked about so many different things, so many different perspectives. What is the one thing that you hope the audience walks away with? Connect with a dance specialist today. They're magic, truly magic. It will change your life. And it sounds being dramatic in a way, but it's not. It's so true. Um, I've witnessed it over and over and over again. The dancers that we have seen and treated from our dance specialists are immaculate. They come in, unfortunately, just defeated, head down, just don't think that they can feel good. And to see 15 minutes later, 30 minutes later, them come out smiling and feeling so good that that pain that they've been having for weeks, months, years has now calmed down is, is life-changing. To have somebody like yourself come in and create a plan for strength training for the whole entire season, life-changing. Coming in to do pre-point assessments and to do these evaluations, life-changing. It will literally change your studio and the way that it operates. The kids will be able to breathe. They will be able to dance better, longer, stronger, amazing. You will have all of that. If you find a dance specialist and you talk to them about your goals and your dreams for your studio and train them like the athletes that they are, take care of their bodies. This is our world, everybody. This is our community. We need to protect it. So dance teachers, studio owners, choreographers, like come together and learn about dance medicine. Be open to the education. Be open to having somebody come into your studio that is your home, your world, like knock that wall down just a little bit and let us in and see the magic that will unravel by really taking care of our dancers the way that they deserve to be treated. So that was a long thing, but it's, it's really important if people can take that to know that it's okay to get help. It's okay for us to be there. We're all in it together. Um, I really truly feel like it could be life-changing if you really just connect with a dance medicine specialist today from Doctors for Dancers. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The final thing before we go, this is your opportunity to promote whatever you have going on. So whether it is the directory, your event, whatever else is coming up, now's your chance. We have an amazing event coming up July 2024 called The Dance Mix. And it's an event that has never been done before. We are bringing the community together. We're bringing Doctors for Dancers dance specialists together. 
our choreographers, our dancers, our teachers, our studio owners, and we're hoping that we can all come together and learn this information at the same time, but if in different ways. So like our dance specialists get to learn about the warmups because not everybody knows how to create what this is happening. So we have a team of specialists that are going to be learning from our specialists. Um, so it's a learning process. Our choreographers are learning how to now put these in, put the cues in. Um, we even have a sports psychologist, Chelsea Parati, that's heading up just the mental health side of things. What do those cues look like? Um, unfortunately, when you go to conventions, a lot of times we have a lot of negative self-talk comparisons that are happening on the convention floor. So we're hoping to encourage for them to look within. And what does that look like from a positive experience there? So while we're going to be there training, and it's going to be obviously like a lot of information that we're going to be throwing, we're really hoping that you enjoy the experience. Um, because as we mentioned before, sometimes we, we don't have time. That's usually we just don't have time. So we'll be having longer lunches. Um, we even have on day two, we have a curated lunch that everybody's going to be having a meal together. Um, I think that's important. We, back in the day when we were doing competitions, <clears throat> we used to go out for dance afterwards. We all have dinner or lunch or whenever it was, right? I don't see that happening today because there's just no time. We're finishing at midnight or 11 o'clock at night and everybody's just kind of going and that camaraderie is not there. So I come from a small town where it's, I didn't have a fence or nothing. And, you know, we get to know everybody on DFD and we want the same thing for the convention. So I think that's going to be a really fun experience having like a lunch together. And our dietitians are going to put it together to talk about how to fuel yourself like an athlete. What does that look like? We get comments all the time, like, I don't know what to eat because I have competition or convention in the morning. I'm waking up at six, starts at seven. I'm not hungry yet. I don't want to eat. So then they dance or what time's lunch is? I only have 30 or 45 minutes, so I don't want to eat because it's going to slush around. So they don't eat again. But then guess what? Then they're behind our, our table because they're passed out, dehydrated, and they're not fueled. So what does that look like? Sometimes we choose nothing because we don't know what to do, mm -hmm. right? don't have time to do it. So time is going to be something that we're also going to be implementing is longer classes, breaks, not going to midnight, having fun. We're going to have fun. What's that? We're going to have a good time. And so at the same time that the dancers are going to be learning from these amazing masterclass teachers, they're going to be provided with a warm-up so their body is ready. If something were to happen, we're actually going to have people on standby that if you need anything medically, first aid or an assessment done, we'll have people there. Dr. Kara Genus, one of the top dance medicine doctors in the world, will be there doing free assessments. At the same time, our dance medicine specialists get to learn how he does his assessment, but at the same time, a dancer is getting assessed to see what's going on. I just think it's going to be a really fun intertwined experience for us to network within each other within the community that I would love so much to connect. And then our dance teachers and our studio owners are going to learn the warm-up that we just provided for the dancers so that they can go back to their studios and teach the warm-up and they know the why. And the mm -hmm. kiddos need to know the why. And now the information is going in so we can move it and push it forward. So we have so much more in store, to be honest, for the dance mix, but it's just the beginning. It's the first event. Sign up. Um, we're only doing limited quantity of people that are going. Um, so sign up before we sell out because it's going to be an amazing experience. If you're really interested in leveling up and training and really wanting to take this as a career, 
I highly recommend it. We'll have a talent agency there, an attorney. We have all business things in there. You can get headshots, action shots, videos done. So your brand and marketing is also there. We talk about the steps, but then how can we talk about the longevity, the health and wellness, yes. enjoying ourselves and having a good time by also just learning this information that's really going to help you train as the athlete that you are. I can't stress that enough that dancers are athletes who are artistic athletes that need to learn how to take care of your body and recover. We'll have recovery options too. You're feeling from those steps, like we're going to have the compression therapy boots. We'll have the guns there for you. We'll have the assessments, the, the massages. We really want to take care of you so that you can learn how to train at a different level. So it is going to be for the 16 and up community. It is advanced dancers that we are looking for to attend this type of thing because the information that we're covering is very in-depth. The mm -hmm. information is at a very advanced level for the someone that really wants to go because probably 80% of dancers that go to conventions don't move on to be a professional dancer. Yeah. And so for us, it's a little more niche of we actually want to train the people that want to take it to the next level. So it's for pre-professional and professional dancers. If you're a choreographer, a teacher, a studio owner, this is a great chance to learn from our dance specialist so you can take this information into the studio and have the best season ever because you're equipped with this great information that's just going to only help your dancers just level up. And what I love about this event is it's it's not only bringing together all facets of the dance community, including from the medical provider side, but you're providing information that isn't just lectures or regular classes. It's actual application of all the things that we're hoping dancers are doing in their regular practice or that we're hoping the dance providers um, are incorporating in what they're doing. You're giving that opportunity to see it in action and walk away with how do I implement this now in my life and in my training, which is amazing. I'm so Thank excited you. for it. Yeah, it's not going to be a whiteboard thing. I feel like I, I personally don't want the whiteboard. You know, I want to hear it, see it, learn how I can implement it. Like you said, the application portion of it, um, that I feel like is super important. And just learning from each other. That's the biggest thing for me is like, I want to learn what you do, Alyssa. Like, I want to learn how did you grow your business from like the dance medicine side, you know? And for a dancer or a teacher or all of us truly is some of the people that we are ready to announce soon is you get to learn how they are still dancing today. How did they have their longevity? Like, let's, let's actually learn from the OGs that are in the business of how they're still here and thriving and killing it. Like, that's important. Even um, like Greg Chapkus is going to be coming. Amazing at what he does. But he's also going to be talking to the teachers and the studio owners about staging. Like that for me is in itself, like I've, I've personally been able to witness this man's mind work and the mm -hmm. transitions that he does is just wild. So while it's not all health and wellness, but we want you to learn from the best of the best of what they do. So he's worked with all the top people from Miami to Puerto Rico to all around the world. And so you get to learn from somebody like him that currently still has a studio and how he actually just does staging. So like little intricacies there. So it's also just performance enhancement too. So we're going to be bringing and throwing in all kinds of fun things. It's it's an event you don't want to miss. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It's on my calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for chatting with me today. And I look forward to helping get the word out 
uh, along with Doctors for Dancers to get people connected with providers who can help them in their dance journeys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it, may, it really just, uh, it matters. And uh, thank you so much. It, it means the world to us that you are a part of Doctors for Dancers and you have just always been an advocate for helping the dancers. And again, I have been able to personally witness you in action and it is truly magical. So um, thank you so much for having us and being a part of this wonderful community that we have. Yeah, thank you. Dance Med Spotlight is hosted and produced by Alyssa Arms. We discuss all things dance medicine. This has been another episode from Dance Med Spotlight. The Dance Med Spotlight is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present.